Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Bridge. We're really glad that you could join us today. My name is Brent Silkey, and I want to say thank you so much to Pastor Chris and Pastor Derek for the opportunity to join you today and to share God's Word with you today. I, I want to let you guys know that the ministry that we have the joy of serving in is called Chi Alpha, and Chi Alpha stands for Christ's Ambassadors, and we get to be Christ's Ambassadors to college and university students in the city of St. Paul, and it is because of your generosity and your partnership that we're able to do that. And we have been serving as Chi Alpha Director since May 2015, and one of the greatest joys of our life, one of the greatest privileges of our life is to walk along college students during their college years and beyond, help them find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. And the bridge, you guys are some of our missions partners in this. You support every month the work that God is doing through Chi Alpha and St. Paul. So I want to say thank you on behalf of our family, on behalf of our students, and on behalf of our ministry. We also have the joy of serving as the founders of 30 for Freedom, which is a movement that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And as we have the opportunity to run to make our miles matter, we get to raise awareness about the issue of sex trafficking and funds to make a difference in the lives of both victims and survivors of sex trafficking. And you have been a part of both Chi Alpha and 30 for Freedom for the last several years, and I want to say thank you so much. Now, I have the the great joy of being married to an amazing woman of God, an amazing human being. Her name is Eliza or Elizabeth. And we have three beautiful kids, Belle, Clara, and Henry. And in April, we're expecting our fourth child, and we are really, really excited about that. So we're going to be a big, crazy family, and we just want to serve Jesus together as a family. So that is us. That's what we do. And this morning, before I even jump into the message this morning, um, this week, throughout the week, as I've been thinking about you, as I've been praying about this morning and this message, I feel like the Lord has put something in someone on my heart. As I was getting ready for this message, I felt like there was a young lady who would be either in attendance physically or watching online who would see this message and who would be someone who's on the brink of giving up or giving in. And I want you to know if you're a young lady and you find yourself in a position this morning where you feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, quitting, saying, I forget it. I really believe that God's spirit spoke to me this week to deliver a message to you, to not quit, to not give up, to not give in, and to trust in Jesus this morning. So I just wanted to be faithful and communicate what I feel like God put on my heart for you. I remember being a kid, and I'd see these, you know, you'd flip through the channels, right, back in the 90s during, you know, cable TV days. You'd flip through the channels, and there would be this amazing product that would be on the screen. And if you buy it, but if you buy it now, if you call 1-800-right-now, you know, you can get two. 
but wait, there's more. And then you could like get all these extra accessories and different things <laughs> with your amazing two products that you got for the price of one. But wait, there's more. If you call now, you know, like there's like always the but wait, there's more thing. And you probably have seen infomercials that are that are similar. You've probably been there before. Um, you can relate to that, right? And when I think about today's message, today's message is, is entitled, but wait, there's more. And as we reflect on 2020, globally speaking, one of the most challenging adversity-filled years in history, it was kind of a, but wait, there's more year. I want to just give you an, uh, a little insight, a glimpse into what happened in our family. And part of it was global events and part of it was very much localized to us events. <laughs> Excuse me. So my wife was on the trip of a lifetime to serve victims of sex trafficking in Nepal. So she flew way over to the other side of the world to serve victims and survivors of trafficking. And I was here with our three kids. She set us up for success. It was awesome. <clears throat> but the morning she left, my dad had to be taken to the hospital with an emergency heart issue. And so literally on the way to the airport, we're trying to decide, should she go on this trip or should she stay home? Is everything gonna be okay with my dad? Because we didn't know. Excuse me. And then when she was traveling over there, this is February 2020. I remember sending her a message saying, hey, I heard there's this virus. You gotta be careful. You're going over to Asia. You're going over the you know, you're going over to that part of the world. Please be careful. Please wear a mask. But wait, there's more. I was at our Chi Alpha College Ministry service, and it was a Wednesday. The governor had made some announcements, some remarks, and I remember looking at our students saying, well, I'm not sure if this is the last time we're going to meet in person this semester, but if it is, and I you know, shared a message with our students, and people kind of laugh like, yeah, what are you talking about? This is not our last time meeting, and it was, and our seniors couldn't graduate like we had hoped they could. A lot of high school students weren't able to graduate like they hoped and dreamed that they would be able to. But wait, there's more. 30 for Freedom had to go virtual because we couldn't host a large in-person event with the current restrictions in place for COVID. So we went virtual with our event. Campus continued to stay closed and things just, you know, never really opened up for the rest of the semester. But wait, there's more. My greatest fear as a homeowner is that something would happen like a flood. When water comes in and you don't know how to stop it and it's getting everywhere. And sure enough, but wait, there's more. We had a flood right in the middle of the quarantine. My wife was working from home. My kids were doing school from home. I was working from home. And then our home flooded. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what do we do in this season when everything has gone crazy? And, and just when we think everything is going to be fine, but wait, there's more takes place. So we had to take the carpet out. We had to rip the carpet out of the entire level. 
when we had to replace all of the floor in the midst of the pandemic. It was absolutely craziness. And I know that we can all relate to the craziness of 2020 together, right? Just to list a few things, right? There was turmoil in our world. There was a global pandemic that took place. Racial tensions had never been higher. Um, you know, just, just all the political stuff last year with the election. There's so many things that were taking place. People were furloughed. People were taking pay cuts. People were let go from their jobs. Companies were closing. Businesses were closing. Hours were reduced. Families were, you know, struggling. Mental health issues have never been higher. And we find ourselves wondering, could there, could there be hope? And then there's this moment of, but wait, there's more. And you're like, no, there can't be more, right? Because then there's all of, all of the continued craziness that happens in our world. And we're just sitting there thinking, God, where are you? Are you here? Are, are you with us? Because your word says that you're Emmanuel, that you're with us. But it's hard to sense your presence in this time with all the craziness taking place. And just when we think we've reached the pinnacle of the crazy, but wait, there's more. And I know that there's probably quite a mixture of emotions, even this morning, as we're in church, as we're watching online, right? There's this heaviness that so many people have expressed. It just feels like I'm, I'm carrying this heaviness everywhere I go because of last year, because of how hard it's been. Because of how hard it's been in our family. Because of how hard it's been in our industry. There are people who are weary. There are people who are tired. There are people who are anticipating something doom and gloom to continue to happen. And then, there are people who are excited and that are hopeful. And that are joy-filled. And that are anticipating that God will do something in the midst of the darkness that His light will shine brighter than ever. So there's kind of this mixture of emotions taking place in our world and in our hearts. And this morning, as we have the opportunity to look at God's word, to turn to his timeless truth, to gain and glean the wisdom of God from his word, we're going to look at something that took place just shortly after Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And we're going to read from a physician, a medical doctor, who penned the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, also known as the Book of Acts. And we're going to be looking today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be starting in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16. And I'm going to read some of this and explain it and then break it down. And you're going to, you're going to see in short order how this word applies to our very lives today. It's amazing to see what God does. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now you might be wondering, what kind of spirit is this? This was a demonic spirit that would tell her some things that were happening in the future. 
she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. So this didn't happen just once. This happened like several times and for several days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left. I just paused for a moment. You have a little girl who is not free because she is a slave. She's also not free because a demon speaks to her, tells her future things, and her masters have leveraged her fortune telling for their own personal profit. When she sees Paul and his guys there you know, to pray, she calls out who they are. And she does this so much and so frequently that Paul gets fed up, looks at her and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the spirit is gone. Now this little girl is free from the demonic stronghold that was telling her the future. In verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. I'm going to pause again. When they realized the spirit was gone, when they realized that these Jewish guys had come into their city and were teaching something that was different, they were so upset at their loss of profit that they dragged Silas and Paul before the authorities, made all these accusations. They didn't even realize that Paul was a Roman citizen. Paul had every right that they did. Well, check this out what happens next. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Again, pause. Paul and Silas were going to prayer. A demonically possessed girl comes and starts to like, you know, say things to them and say things about them. She does this for so many days in a row that Paul gets fed up and basically sets the little girl free from her demonic stronghold. The owners of this girl, slave girl, bring Paul and Silas in front of the, the magistrates and the people of authority. They make all these accusations and now they're being ordered to be stripped in front of everyone, humiliated, and beaten with rods. Quite a punitive punishment. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged. Now, people would sometimes die after being flogged. It was such a it was such a brutal means of discipline. And, and, and I mean, it was, again, some people, like, it, flogging was so severe that many times people would die as a result of their injuries and blood loss from such a harsh punishment. After they'd been severely flogged, but wait, there's more. They had been, they were thrown into prison, and their jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24. When he received these orders, he put them, but wait, there's more, in the inner cell, this tiny little dank, dusty, dirty cell. They've got exposed wounds all over their bodies from being flogged. They've been stripped. They've been humiliated. They've been put in the prison. They've been put under the command of the, of the jailer. They've been 
put into the smallest inner cell, but wait, there's more. He fastened their feet in the stocks. So their mobility is gone, right? Their bodies are broken. They're not just in the prison, they're in the innermost cell, guarded by the jailer himself. And all they were trying to do was go to a place of prayer. Talk about a rough go. Verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And I want to pause before I finish this verse. In 2020, when our backs were up against the wall, when the economy had taken a turn, maybe when we lost a job, when a family member got sick with COVID, when things went virtual, when things had to go digital, when things had to go and change so much, so many times. Think about your response in those moments. My response some of the time when my house flooded was just to feel like what what else could go possibly wrong? And just to like feel like I'm pulling my hair out just trying to stay sane. It says that after all of that that Paul and Silas went through, their bodies are broken, they're in prison, their feet are in stocks. I mean, they're, this is this is rough. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Praying, prayer, and worship. That was Paul and Silas' response to the horrible adversity, the beatings, the imprisonment, the being mistreated, the humiliation. Their response was to praise and worship and pray. And it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains became loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now pause. Why would the jailer try to commit suicide? If you were the jailer and you were watching prisoners and if they escaped, you would have to assume their punishment no matter what. So the jailer thought that, you know, earthquake happened, doors came open, the chains were loosed. He thought that everyone had left and he'd have to take the punishment of all their people. So he was going to just expedite things for himself and take things into his own hands. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So he saves his life. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Now think about this. Paul and Silas are bloodied. They are bruised. They have like dried and crusty blood and stuff all over their bodies. They're in the inner cell. Now it says that the chains were loose, so their stocks were let, let go from their feet. But these are men who are absolutely looking really bad. And the jailer comes and falls before them. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household, all his household were baptized. Come on, somebody. But wait, there's more. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and it was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Now, church, I want to recap really quickly all the events that just took place by bullet points. They were going to prayer. They were they were harassed by a demon-possessed girl. They were they set her free. Then they were mobbed. Then they were stripped, humiliated in front of the whole assembly. Then they were beaten and flogged. Then they were put in prison, but not just the, anywhere in the prison. They were put in solitary confinement in the inner cell. Their feet were stocked, you know, put in the stocks. And the jailer was guarding them. That's a rough go of it. And maybe today you can relate to what it feels like to get just beat up by life. Maybe 2020 was a year where you just, you came out of the year celebrating it was over and you just felt beat up by life. Perhaps you can relate to being unjustly punished for something. Maybe you felt like locked down or imprisoned in some way or another. But wait, there's more. You can relate to this issue compounding over issue over issue over issue, right? 2020. And I can relate in some ways as well. And I want to come back to the question I asked earlier. What's our gut level response when we face such trying days? How do we respond to the adversity of the craziest of seasons? Paul and Silas in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I, I can almost, with, with, you know, you could probably ask any biblical scholar of the New Testament. There probably weren't a lot of people who were locked in the inner cell of a prison who were singing and praising God after going through flogging, after going through be being beaten with rods, after all that they experienced. And yet Paul and Silas' response to their adversity was praising God, worshiping, praying. Everybody in the prison was listening. And then something happened. Even after doing nothing to deserve all of this, right? There's like the, the weight, there's more on steroids. Paul and Silas had a but wait there's more mentality. They knew that their pain wasn't just happening to happen. They knew that the God could come and take purpose and put it in their pain. That God could come and that he was the worthy king. Even though they were in prison. That he was worthy to be praised in the prison. They knew that there was still a mission to live out, a call on their life to share the hope of Jesus with people that they would come across. But wait, there's more, right? That, that's this whole idea. And the first but wait, there's more is that verse 27, the, one that the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Paul knew that, but wait, there's more. But wait, God has more. That this earthquake didn't just happen. It wasn't just a natural disaster. It was an act of the Almighty God. 
And then the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and he fell trembling before these prisoners. This was not the normal posture for a jailer to fall in front of the prisoners and say, you know, what can I do to be saved? What can be done? There must be more. You must know it. You've been praising God all night. You've been singing praises to God in your bloody, battered state. What can I do to find the hope that you have? And Paul and Silas began to share with him about Jesus Christ. That Jesus came. That Jesus died on the cross. Taking upon himself the punishment of the world. Of, for the, all the sins that would ever be committed. And then on the third day he rose to new life. He conquered sin. He conquered sickness. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And that if this jailer would put his faith in Jesus Christ. He could be saved. And his whole household came. But wait, there's more. It wasn't just the jailer. It was his whole household. They all came and heard the word of the Lord. They all came. And in the middle of the night, they wanted to get baptized. In the middle of the night, they found a body of water and were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is working. He's working. He's moving. He's still on the throne. And I love that these guys, when all of these cascading effects of the negative happen, but wait, there's more. Another thing happens, right? They had the mentality of, but wait, there's more. And the jailer, they save his life. The jailer falls on his face before them. The jailer and his whole household experience the love of Christ. And their lives are forever changed. And heaven looks different as a result. And I think about all that we've been through. I think about all of the, but wait, there's more, right? When all the things of 2020 happen, maybe your house flooded like mine. It's like, what more could happen for us to be able to recognize and validate the struggle? But then for us to take our attention and fix our attention on Jesus in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the heartache, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the political tensions, in the midst of the racial tensions, in the midst of all of these things, that we could fix our eyes upon Jesus. And we could say, but wait, there's more. We could watch as God would come into the midst of our brokenness and bring wholeness. We could watch as God would come into the midst of our pain and bring purpose. The way that God could take the trial and the test and make it into a testimony. The way that God can come into the craziness of our lives and bring hope to those who need it most. And church, this morning I want to validate craziness that we've probably all been through in the last year. For you, maybe it's more than a year. Maybe it's been longer than 2020. Maybe you've been going through something for a long time. Maybe it's cancer treatments that continue to happen. Maybe it's a struggle in a marriage or with a child or children. It's just been so hard for us tonight, today to focus our attention back on Jesus and to remember, but wait, there's more. There's a king who sits on a throne who's worthy to be praised even in the prison. There's a mission that needs to continue to go forth no matter what kind of adversity is happening. And that God has called us to share his hope, to worship him, and to help bring his light into the darkness. 
I want to issue a challenge, church. I want to issue a challenge to us. I've been trying to do this several times a week. Where I hop on a, a plane, I take a 10-minute plane ride, a 10-minute flight, and I listen to God. I listen to what he's saying. I listen in the silence. You might be like, well, what are you talking about? Plane ride. Every one of our mobile phones has something called airplane mode. And my challenge to us is to take 10 minutes each day, or maybe five, five days a week, to turn our plane and turn our phone into airplane mode. So there's no wireless connectivity happening. To sit in a quiet room, to sit in our car during a lunch break, and to just listen and say, God, I'm listening. Because when we begin to hear the voice of God, when we begin to hear his voice, it gives us purpose again. It, give, it clarifies our calling. It helps us to be able to see the ministry opportunities before us at school, at work, in the midst of the desert we might be in right now. Ten minutes a day, ten minute flight, hearing from God can change everything. And I want to close our time together this morning. If you would, wherever you are, if you would just bow your heads with me, if you would just close your eyes. Just have a, a question or two for you this morning. The reason I'm asking you to close your eyes and to bow your head is just for the privacy of the people around you. And I feel like when we close our eyes, we're able to focus in on other things more. So focus in on this question. This morning, do you find yourself feeling like you've been beat up? You've been in prison, you've been stuck, you've been struggling, and you need hope this morning. Because if that's you, I want to pray for you today. My second question for you this morning is perhaps you feel disconnected from God himself. And the Bible tells us that we are disconnected from God because of the sin and the sinful state of our souls. But if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, it says that we will be saved, just like the jailer in Acts chapter 16. And if that's you this morning, if you want to step into a relationship, a personal, life-changing relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you this morning as well. So if you pray with me this morning, church. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that even in the midst of the craziest years, craziest seasons of our life, that you are on the throne, that you are God, that you are above all. And I pray for those this morning who are weary, for those who are burdened, for those who have been struggling so much. Maybe they're looking for a job even this morning. Oh God, I pray that you would comfort them, that you would be the strength and the peace and the grace that they need. I pray for the young lady this morning, God, who maybe has felt like she wants to give up like the jailer. God, I pray that you would remind her that she is a daughter of the Most High God. And I pray that you would help her, Lord, this morning. Draw her close to you, Jesus. Give her hope again. And I pray for those to this morning, God, who are disconnected from you because of their sin. I pray that they would confess that you are Lord and Savior and that they would, they would give their life into your hands. They would follow you, Lord, and that you would help them, Lord, to understand the fullness of the plan that you have for them as they live their life for you. In Jesus' name. this time I'm going to invite Pastor Derek back to the stage, but 
I want you to know, church, I love you. I'm praying for you this morning, and it's an honor to be with you. I don't look anything like Pastor Derek, so you're just going to have to do. Um, what a good word. And um, as he was speaking, there are a couple things that came to my mind. First of all, um, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. That like feeling like you're getting backed into the wall, like the, the pile of junk is multiplying up against you. But I think that Paul and Silas would say that the turnaround, wait, there was more, there was more, there was more, where the family gave their lives to the Lord, they were baptized, there were salvations. I think they would say that was worth all the having their backs pressed up against the wall. And if I think about my own life and how many times I have felt like I have been robbed of something or how many trials I have felt like I had to go through or obstacles that were facing me, as horrible as those were, I've seen God restore above and beyond where I started every time. He is not a two steps forward, one step back. He is like a one step back, three steps forward kind of a God. And he is like a cup overfloweth kind of a God. His bank account is always in the positive, And he just bestows that on us. So even though we feel like we have loss, and that's normal, we do. This is, this is earth, this is not heaven. We have loss, we have grief, we have negative that hits us, God will restore, revive, and bring it even better. Look at Job and all that he lost. I can't even imagine living a life like Job. But in the end, it says that God restored his fortunes way above, his family way above. Like everything was far in the positive compared to where he had started. So if you're feeling like you're backed up against the wall, or I can't take it anymore, God, this is enough. No that everything that you've lost, all the hurt you felt, all the negative, he's going to go above and beyond to make it positive. Above the loss will be his gain and your gain. So I just feel like we just need to hear that or somebody in the room does. Would you just pray with me as we close this morning? I really feel like we just need to turn our hearts to Jesus one more time. Lord, you are such a good God. And I'm thankful for these people. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for their generosity that that pours into awesome men of God like Brent in their ministries, Lord, that our hands reach beyond this community into other communities and other populations and other things that you're doing in this world. And Lord, I thank you that you would put the heart of one precious individual so strongly on Brent's mind that you know that individual's name, that you would call that person to life, that you would help them know that they don't need to give up, that you are there, that you are God, and you are good. Lord, for those of us struggling with loss and hurt, would you restore? Would you heal? Would you multiply the good? Help us see you in and around us and moving today and this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.